God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I've spent a lifetime looking for you. (laughs) Playing a fool's game, hoping to win, and telling those sweet lies and losing again. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. Searching their eyes and looking for traces of what I'm dreaming of. Hoping to... I'm just kidding. That won't go on for you. But I'm sure that the music... From that song by Johnny Lee and the movie Urban Cowboy was ringing through your ears. Or maybe it wasn't. I never saw the movie Urban Cowboy, but I did certainly listen to this song. And it is one of the probably top 15 country songs that come to mind when I think of classic country songs. That one does. And it has been ringing in my head, playing in a loop ever since I started writing this sermon. So you'll only have it today. I've been listening to it now for a week. So it's delightful. But the song says something that I think we all share in common, that I think is universal to everyone, and is certainly universal to the wise men that we read about in today's gospel, and that is that we're all looking for something. We are all searching for something or someone. And oftentimes, this search, this quest for love is ultimately what it's about, even though we can't identify that. We don't know that. um, But that is what it is. It's for a love that passes understanding, a love that accepts me as I am, a love that um, will give me peace, that the striving can end. Um, So it's a seek. Search for love, for acceptance, for something that can finally cause me to stop chasing my tail. And we often search, like the song says, in shallow places in life. I mean, that's what the song's talking about. Someone that was looking for that ideal someone, someone that would save them from the rigors of life. um, That they went from place to place, from town to town, from honky-tonk to honky-tonk. And they never found it until they found this one person. And I would venture to say that if the song came back 20 years later, he would probably um, still be searching. It sounds from the verses like that search was going to be indefinite because nothing on this earth would satisfy that. You remember the movie Finding Nemo? So I'm kind of jumping from that. But Nemo was also in search. He was in search of salvation. Um, and in search to get back to a father's love um, that knew um, no beginning or no end. And there's one place where, in, in the ocean, if you go down, which I haven't been at this place, I'm trusting the Georgia Aquarium on this one, right? Um, 3,000 feet to 13,000 feet, there's an area that is kind of a no man's land. No light can penetrate down that low, so it is ultimate and utter darkness all around. So even the smallest flash of light will suck up all of the darkness around. So Nemo and his friend Dory find themselves down there, kind of searching for salvation, for some way out, right? 
Um, and they found it, sort of, or at least Dory thought they had found it. And that was in the form of a trigger fish, which this is a toy that has been around our house. This is a duplicate of the toy that's been around our house for a long time, many years, since my kids were of the age where they watched Finding Nemo. But this trigger fish has a light. It kind of comes out from his head and it flashes. And it is not a light of deliverance or salvation, okay? Because it leads to these, which are giant teeth that will ultimately eat you if you follow this particular light. And that is what Dory wanted to do. She was so fascinated with this light. This is it, right? This is our way out. This is the way to, to salvation. This is the way to, this is hope for all of us. I mean, what else would be shining in this darkness? And yet it was um, fool's gold, wasn't it? It was um, something that glittered but wasn't gold. And many of us find ourselves in the same place that Dory and Nemo found themselves, in the same place that Johnny Lee found himself, in looking for love and looking for salvation in places that ultimately will not deliver it to us. In some cases will deliver us into the hands of danger. And the wise men were looking for salvation. They were looking for something, for something great, for a king, for the one, right? Um, you notice I put the uh, nativity set over here on the piano. And lest you think it's retro Christmas, right? It's not. We're still, we're now ending Christmas and the wise men have arrived at the manger. We oftentimes think, I grew up thinking that the wise men were already there, right? They were already in the nativity set at church and they were already in the nativity set at my home. But the wise men arrived after the birth of Christ. And some scholars believe that he was already a toddler or maybe even a little bit older. But whether he was a baby in the manger or whether he was 14 years old and greeted them with a hello, doesn't matter. It's the same point. And that is they were searching for something and they were following a star and the wise men were astrologers um, I would say astronomers but that would be too scientific for what they were they were very much of what we would be doing in reading our astrology in the newspaper today they would look at the stars and they would try to find meaning or find life or find in this case deliverance in looking up there. They were from what is today Iran, what was then Persia. They were Zoroastrians, and they had a hunger, a search for truth. And they thought that this star would be it. And it ultimately was, but not in the way that they thought that it would be. Now, many people think that the wise men were these wise fellows because they followed Christ. And yet, when they set out, they didn't know they were following Christ. Many will say it's the gifts that they brought. But I would hold out to you that the gifts have nothing to do with why the story is important for us today and how it can change our relationship with God and with each other. You see, the wise men were mistaken. Not in what they searched for, but they were mistaken with the objects that they brought. Right? They, they had this idea that the object inspires love. I mean, and that's what you would think, right? I'm going to see the king. I'm going to bring him gold, which is what you would bring a king. The frankincense um, symbolically represents the fact that Jesus would be a priest. And the myrrh 
um, was a resin that they used when you buried somebody. So all of these gifts in Scripture are foreshadowing Jesus and his death and his life. But for the wise men, they thought, if I bring these things that are, that are good, then somehow that will make me good. If I bring these things that are noble and expected, then somehow that's going to make me worthy of love. We do that too, don't we? We make that same mistake in our lives and in our relationships. If I can bring this to the relationship, then somehow I'll be worthy of love. I'll be lovable. If I can do this, then somehow it's enough. But then what happens in a marriage where you think, well... You know, we've kind of built this relationship on playing tennis, and suddenly you have no mobility. Does that make you unlovable? You think that you attracted your spouse because of your looks, and suddenly those fade away. The gift isn't there anymore. Does that make you unlovable? You no longer have a gift, or the gift that you thought would make you worthy. If, if that was the way it was, marriages wouldn't last, right? I certainly don't look the same as I did 30 years ago. Not that I was a catch then, right? <laughs> Love inspires the object. He loved us first. And so when the wise men show up with their gifts that, that they thought were so all-important, right? I mean, if they were so important to Jesus, we would have heard about them later. You would have heard about him on down. It would have been Jesus the trust fund baby. Well, he can roam around the countryside because, you know, those kings left him gold when he was a baby and Mary invested it wisely. <laughs> Gifts mean nothing. And so when they got there, think about it, they probably started laughing. <laughs> we thought we were going to go see a king. And we are, but it's different. He's in a stable. He's in a manger. He has a teenage mother. And yet God loved them first. The vulnerability of this child met their lack of peace and their constant search for truth, their constant search for love. It was given to them regardless of what they brought, regardless of who they were. And they bowed down and they worshipped Him. That's what made them wise. What gifts do you bring? You'll hear sermons about that all day long. What gifts are you going to bring Jesus? Bring your time, bring your talent, bring your treasure. The gifts mean nothing. Bring your sin. Bring your shame. Bring those things that separate you from love. Bring your lack of peace. Bring that sense of unworthiness that plagues and haunts your life, that makes it that 3,000 feet at the bottom of the ocean where it feels like nothing can, can pierce that. Bring that. And that will meet the love of God. And that will change you. It will make you want to go out 
and to spread that good news. It will make you, like they said in that movie, as good as it can get. It will make you want to be a better man or a better woman. That's what changes you. Because you have no gift that you could possibly make you worthy. But you're worthy nonetheless. And that light shines into your life and it shines into that darkness. It's that song by Amy Mann. What did it say? I think maybe I'll clean up for Christmas this year. Thinking that that somehow would be good. And it is good, but it's not what makes you good. It's not what makes you a loved child of God. It's not what makes you worthy of this light. And notice that at the end of the gospel it said they went home by another way because after you've experienced that grace you've experienced that love and that light has pierced your darkness you can no longer go back the same way it can never be the same or else you're just dialing it in right T.S. Eliot from the gift of the magi were we led all that way for birth or death there was a birth certainly We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death. They died to what they thought would save them. They died to all of the false gold that day. And they were born to reality. They were born to strength. They were born to peace. They were born to love and it could never be the same. And they let their light shine. So what are we going to do? Because we have a choice to make this day. The light of Christ has shined upon each and every one of us from that manger as we bow down to worship Him. Are we going to go back the same way and live the same old life that we lived before? Are we going to allow that light to shine through us into the world? Because you know that fish that had the light shining, it's called bioluminescence. It comes from within. And I would hold out to you that once... You have sought that mercy seat from our hymn coming in. So may we be willing, with willing feet, ever seek the mercy seat. When we do that, life is changed. And there is somewhere in the world that someone is waiting for you. Somewhere in your life, someone is waiting in darkness, is waiting for deliverance, is waiting to know Jesus. Will they see that light through your heart? If we don't go looking, risk getting cold, being uncomfortable, getting lost, being late, we will miss our Magi moment. And we will continue looking for love in all the wrong places. But we're here at this place. And Christ shines. So arise and shine. For our light has come. Amen. Amen.